Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to The Auburn Express. Powered by The War Report. All aboard the AM departure from Platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. What's up, War Report family? We're back with another great edition of the Auburn Express podcast powered by the world war as always it's thursday i got my guy auburn means my girl brandy mack guys we're talking basketball you thought basketball season was over but basketball drama is not chance westry and johan Torre have announced that they are entering the portal doom, doom, doom. Uh, we thought that uh these guys might be returning these are two highly regarded recruits deciding to hit the portal and try their chances uh instant reactions man now, like how do we feel about this uh you know is is this uh is this normal for a program to have attrition or is you know this one of those things where Bruce needs to be worried brandy I'll start with you yeah i I think that honestly i'm I'm not you know the sky's falling type worried, but I will say Johan, I kind of expected he came in a lot more raw than I think even the staff anticipated. So I'm not surprised that he transferred with the little playing time that he had this year and kind of, yeah, you know, yeah, I just, that doesn't surprise me. And, and I'm not, you know, upset about that. And I wish him the best of luck and hope he succeeds wherever he goes next. But with chance, I will say I'm extremely shocked considering that a day before this happened, the, actual Auburn basketball um, official account posted that Chance was essentially the foundation in a sense. Um, They didn't say, you know, this is our foundation, but it was a video of him on an exercise bike and with the caption foundation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if the staff is also surprised by his departure too. I would say I am. And I was really looking forward to having him kind of play some good wing. He has a lot of height, um, link that we need he's put on like 22 pounds so i was pretty shocked um all that to say hopefully there's a small chance maybe he does decide to come back we'll see. yeah listen enter it should be noted entering the portal does not guarantee that you're going to be gone but if they do fill your spot your spot because which they can do certainly then uh you are sol means before we started recording you and i were kind of discussing uh the emergence of trey donaldson and how this might actually have played a role in Westry's decision to bounce. You want to expound on that for our listeners a little bit? Yeah, so if you go back to Israel, you see the breakdown of minutes. Obviously, Chance played way more than Trey did. So Mm -hmm. in my Lobtown season recap that I did with Ike over the weekend in part one and two, for the listeners that haven't heard that, go check that out because we dive into this a lot deeper there. Shameless self-plug done. Ah, Okay. (laughs) Going back to what we got right now, zooming into the present, though. I broke down on that episode a lot of what happened in Israel. Going to just kind of take a little bit of that and see how it applies here. I think what they were doing in Israel was testing out what they wanted to do or what they thought might work, how things would look for the season, just because naturally that's what you would do in essentially a three-game expedition. And through that, you saw Chance play a lot. You You didn't see Trey play a whole lot. So obviously the plan was, and maybe it looked better in practice. Who knows what they were, what decisions would 
to make that happen, or excuse me, what factors went into making those decisions happen. But you had a lot of minutes out of chance. And for the most part, you had some pretty good numbers come out of them too. And then he had the whole knee issue and the knee scope and he got that done. Mm-hmm. Zoom onto the season, missed the first two or three games. So it is obvious that he was going to be into the plan and Trey was going to be more the guy that was going to be a depth piece and probably be your longer play as far as developing and kind of coming over the years. So obviously we know that didn't end up happening. And Trey started to make an emergence pretty much around the time that Chance was not. Now, as Brandon kind of mentioned, Chance is sort of a wing guy. Was he going to play sort of as a wing 2-3? Was he going to play at the 1? He was playing more at the 1, but really, I never really saw where he seemed to fit in best. Yeah. Like, I, I never really felt like, oh, this is, this is our backup 1. Like, if you're asking me from the brief moments that I saw, even when they started playing before Trey got real comfortable, it seemed like Trey looked better as a backup at the one than Chance did. Yeah, Beavs, but like, okay, so a lot, a lot has been made of the talent that Bruce Pearl has been able to bring into the program. I mean, these are blue blood problems, are they not? Losing talent, keeping talent. I mean, you've got a lot of talented guys. So if Trey Donaldson is who you thought he was, which is why you recruited him, and he emerges and you know, Westry essentially loses the potential job to injury, which is what it feels like. He got injured uh, when Bruce Pearl was asked about it. You know, they put everything on the injury. They showed him on the exercise bike. Uh, I, our guy Jones had a top tier tweet. He said, I guess Buddy rode that exercise bike right out of town. Cold blooded. <laughs> yeah, cold blooded. <laughs> yeah. And so there was clearly some miscommunication about plans for the future. If you can put that tweet out or Maybe the social media team just flubbed it. Like, <laughs> you know. I'm not so sure that there was any miscommunication because a week ago there was an AL.com report that was put out. It was an interview with Chance talking about what he went through during the season with the mm-hmm. injury that he had and what his plans were for the future. And he all but said, looking forward to next season at Auburn. He didn't specifically say that, but he, it was made out to be that way in that entire article that was put out a week ago. So, I don't know what changed from a week to now, but something obviously changed, whether that was for him personally, whether that was the program personally, I'm not sure, but. Well, the rumors I mean, are that his parents wanted him to transfer, about, right? What? The rumors are that his parents wanted him to transfer. I've been seeing that one. Uh, I, I can't I've, imagine why. I've seen that rumor a lot. So he grew up playing in Arizona, but is originally from Pennsylvania. So I could definitely see him transferring to somewhere like Villanova or somewhere in Pennsylvania, um, somewhere up north, probably. But now, yeah, I've heard that rumor too. I got a I got a perspective for the listener, or a perspective question for the listeners of how to kind of reverse engineer this this question. And but I did want to respond to one thing that Mike had kind of brought up too about the the guys leaving. Just take us back ten years ago. Imagine that if you had a four star player leaving after their first year, absolute meltdown. You have a five star leaving. You have you Chernobyl level meltdown, right? You have a four and a five star player leaving meteor hitting earth type meltdown. And here we are in 2023. Both these things are happening. We're like, ah, it stinks, but we're going to be all right. Just total 180 from where we were just a decade ago. And even when uh, Mustafa Heron left a few years prior to where we're at right now, I mean, that was like the world was falling when he left. Now, granted, he did have pretty decent numbers at Auburn, but it was... The trust in Bruce is gone through the roof, and I think everybody feels confident with that and with the way I think also two people are a little bit more used to understanding that across college sports, like attrition and transferring is just going to be part of it now. Yeah, but what means I don't even think that I don't think I thought that Johan was a true five star. You know, and, no, I mean, you get you. We get yeah. hyped up on stars, right? But like, let's be clear. He was a project. He didn't choose us. He chose LSU, right? LSU, yeah. you know, famously the last fired winner. Will Wade. Yeah, so he ended up coming here. But he was never really a five-star. In college basketball, when you're a real five-star, a real one, and we'll go back and history would see you as a five-star, um, you're probably, you got one, maybe two years in college, and then you're gone, mm-hmm. right? Five stars in college basketball are going pro quickly. And he yeah. was his years removed from that, is he not? He might play all four. Yeah, and something I haven't done, and I want to do this soon. I want to look at some of the other the other talent that was ranked in the five star 
ranked for five stars in that class and see mm-hmm. exactly where what they're doing versus what he did. Like, what were the players around? How, how were the players around him looking? Yeah, yeah, he was international. Yes, he played over. Yeah. He played overseas, but he was he was ranked as the is a top fifteen player in this yeah. class. So I think it would be really interesting to see. All right, what were the guys around him like? Was he potentially the biggest bust of the class for what these guys did who were healthy their freshman year or not? I mean, I'll just put it, Nick Smith was above them. That one, rough subject. Uh, Grady Dick, uh, Julian Phillips. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> Brandon Miller was um, even below him, LOL at that. So you got you got some guys that were around there that had some pretty good freshman years. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do a deep dive in that, not in that right now, but what I was saying earlier about the reverse engineering is, as far as where the guys go and looking at it from the opposite perspective, how would folks feel Auburn folks feel if they say, Hey, we got this guy transferring from another sec or power five school, a uh, really highly recruit didn't play a whole lot either in, in uh, Westry's case, like selling it on the, the injury or Trey or oh, he's super, super talented. Just didn't really fit in at all. Like what excuses would Auburn people be making to defend it? Or would they be upset? Like if you got both of these guys in coming to Auburn, like, would you feel really good about that? Or would you feel like, uh, I'm looking at their numbers. I don't really see it. Like, that's kind of my point is like, you, you got to feel, but how do you feel? I mean, that's, that's the million dollar yeah. question. Yeah. Well, like if well, you've I, got those guys in, how do y'all feel? Well, I think here's, here's the thing, man. Bruce is, you know, after, after the Jabari Smith experience where you get a five-star athlete, he turns out to be, you know, a, a top three pick. And you're you're feeling like maybe we they're bringing in the next one, and, and our fans expecting Jab- a Jabari every year out of this class, regardless of whether he's where he's ranked or not. If Bruce Pearl and his staff are that good at evaluating talent, because I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, guys like Janai Broom, who undoubtedly, if you went back and re-ranked him, would be a five star, right? You'd be a five-star player if you went back and re-ranked players that are playing now, you know, based on what they've accomplished and, and what potential we didn't know they had. Um, so I just, you know, I, I just I want to point out that when you are working your way towards becoming a blue blood, you're gonna have these problems, right? Like you're gonna have people jump, you're gonna have kids that are unhappy. I mean, I don't know, man. This kind of gave me Justin Powell vibes a little. Right, I don't know. If you guys agree with that, but like, it, it was like, uh, okay, he was hurt all season. Honor chance, chance. Like they danced around it, and then now chance he's is gone. A much better player than than Justin, but I honestly, actually, memes mentioned the same earlier. It kind of reminds me of Mustafa Heron. Minus, I think Mustafa was a lot better on the court. We didn't get to see Chance because of his injury, mm-hmm. but um, it kind of reminds me more of Mustafa. Mustafa transferred because his mother was sick, and so he went up north to play closer to her um i think if the rumors are are substantiated at all and his family wants him to not be at auburn like kind of have to respect that and take it as it is there was no bad blood between auburn and mustafa heron ever you know so i kind of feel like it's more similar to that than it is to justin powell because justin powell we kind of told him like hey hit the road man like you got in a fight at skybar can't do that like you aren't even producing on the court it's time to go you know right Right, right. Memes, um, you know, where does Auburn go from here, right? You've got two potentials. I mean, you've got a lot returning as well, too. Um, so, you know, who does Auburn Lee lose uh, to the natural progression of basketball, uh, you know, versus who's coming? You know, there were some rumors about Wendell Green maybe jumping in the portal and saying he's out. Um, you know, is this going to be a completely rebuilt roster next year now? Uh, I think it's probably going to be it's probably going to be getting there. And I, I convince myself like every hour of the day of changing my mind. If like complete turnover, most everybody's staying, they're going to run it back COVID years. I don't really know. Like I'm so clueless on this. I will say I did do a Twitter poll and I, I asked everybody biggest loss for this team at a Treor, West street, both or neither. The orders of that was West street at 66% followed by 21.8 for neither 8.7 mm-hmm. for both. And then three, five for Treor. And I think that's like a, a fair breakdown. I might take a little bit more of a hot take and just say 
honestly, this isn't as bad as it may seem. You're falling in love with the potential. I think Trey Oriman just thinks there's no telling what his development is actually going to be, and do you have the time to waste on that? Do you potentially want to scare off someone else who could be in that position and have an instant impact because they think, well, mm. what if this? What if the light just goes off for this guy next season and I get processed out? Because obviously he's got the natural athleticism. He just doesn't have the the basketball wits about him to put it on the court right now. So right. do you do you have a guy who maybe has a lower ceiling than Treor but has a much higher floor? Yeah, you probably do. And that guy's probably going to be coming to Auburn. So you don't want to scare him off with that potential of the high ceiling just to be living at the low floor for the second year in the row. Because obviously there was many, many times this year we could have needed Treor's presence, especially with as much foul trouble as Broom and Jalen Williams seem to always yeah. get themselves in. And I mean, I think Tuscaloosa was an extremely telling time the fact that when every eight guys fouled out and Trey or still they're putting they're putting Berman in at the four. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, the Berman, the, the Leo Berman experience as well too. So, Listen guys, Trey looked lost at times whenever they put him on the floor. I mean he you could see his athleticism when he would go up and get rebounds in traffic. Um but whenever it was time for him to score, I mean he looked like he had never played basketball before at times to me. Yeah, so, the but, basketball IQ is definitely lacking there. Yeah I mean he would Offensively, he was he was raw. As yeah, raw there as was that. Hold on, there was that one game in SEC play where he hit. Uh, where was he hit those threes? Yeah, it was uh, it was South Carolina. He shot two for five from three. Him was like, oh, he's back, baby. He's he's good to go. And then that that was the last three point shot he ever made at Auburn. But mm. for that one moment at South Carolina, and that there are those two three point shots at South Carolina. And that one that he made at USC, and then the one he made against Winthrop, and the one he made against South Florida, mm-hmm. there was a little bit of hope. And then the other twenty six that he missed, there was the the hope was gone. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I think that Auburn fans are definitely in a place where you know at least that. I mean, it. Well, like you guys said, it's a blessing to be able to over, even overreact to this because back in the day, it was it was not, a, you know, you wouldn't even have players this good to overreact to them leaving. Uh, and now Bruce Pearl has the program in a place where expectations have risen, uh, you know, in the program. So this is shocking. Like I said, I think the way that they've handled this, um, I'm not, uh, guys, I'm not convinced that the social media team just was a little out of touch on this one and, put that out and it was just bad timing created by themselves right like self-inflicted bad timing uh by the social media team here because they've they've had some other flubs this season that was kind of like okay we missed on that (laughs) right yeah but but also to just to defend them like do do you not think that like maybe this was scheduled and they had it filmed like days ago weeks ago like maybe yeah maybe i don't don't, know man it's hard for me to be convinced that the staff wasn't equally as surprised as the fans were today. It's very hard to convince me of that. Okay. There are people online saying that he had been processed out. And for us to not have a solid two or three guy with length at the wing right now, I just can't imagine he would get processed out this yeah. soon. When I, there are other guys, I think, ahead of him that would have been processed I, out per se. I wonder, and this is complete yeah. speculation here, guys. So is, if you're listening to this, this is not inside info. This is just me. How many times do we see when a player is injured, there is a disagreement between the staff about whether he's ready to play and how he feels about whether he's ready to play? And I just wonder if he was like, I'm not ready. And they're like, but we need you. And, and he sat out. And then they were like, okay, let's move on. What if it was the opposite of that? What if he was like, I'm ready. And they're like, you're not ready. My God, that, that wouldn't be. That, that, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And you know that what I'm would, saying? Both, like, both would be reasons for him to leave. But I don't, I think the, 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 the former would be more plausible in terms of why he would be unhappy and jump in the portal. Then the other way around. Because I think I was at the first game. Let me pull up his game, his uh, his game splits to see. But I want to say I was at the first game that he came back from the injury for. I, I keep saying injury. He got hurt. The procedure. Which was the. 
boom. Okay, I guess it was Georgia State. There was somebody else. Like, so this happened on another team this year, Arkansas, with Nick Smith Jr. Their fans thought that he would be out for the rest of the season after it happened because they thought he was just going to sit and go to the draft. They just thought that's what he was going to do. He ended up coming back and obviously playing, but it was widely speculated by their fans that he was not going to come back and play because he didn't, he didn't love Arkansas enough. And all he cared about was the NBA that was widely speculated while he was injured, but obviously he ended up coming back and played the rest of the season. So I almost kind of wonder with chance and with the staff, if they could kind of see the writing that was on the wall with this team where we were at when it came time to make a decision, Hey, do you want to play or do you want a red shirt? I kind of wonder if it was almost like, well, you know, the staff's like, we don't know if this team has quite the ceiling that we initially thought it might have. So it may be best to redshirt and maybe Chance was like, I want to get out there and I want to play. And they're like, I want to do what's best for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember to make that decision. Remember, Bruce said, Bruce Pearl said after they lost to Houston, um, I want the players to be proud of what they accomplished, but I have high standards. (laughs) Right? It was... was it Texas Southern was the game? It was at Winthrop, but Texas Southern was the game I was at, and I had the really good seats. I was sitting okay. next to I was sitting next to Jay Gouge and uh, uh, Gouge. John Cohen. I, oh. Literally, I was sitting right next to him. Like we were kind of like I was nudging. Like, did you see that? It was awesome. Just saying, you know, my bougie seats. But yeah, it was Texas Southern. So I mean, I'm sitting right there, just field. I said field seats. Like this is a football game, and right in the court side, you know, the good the good seats. So yeah, I gotta say, I got a pretty good view. And I do remember when he'd come in there, and I just didn't feel like Chance was really like it. it just it, it didn't seem like he was real comfortable in there. So I'm like, oh, he's kind of getting the groove. Is this game back? Maybe it just. I'm not sloppy. Is a, that's too much of an aggressive word to put it. But it just didn't seem like he was really in the flow of it. And then the next game didn't really get a whole lot better. But let's as Conqueror went downhill, kind of looking at the minutes breakdown. He's playing between ten to seventeen minutes all the way from Winthrop to Colgate. And then when we get to that Memphis game, the first loss of the season, he goes 0 for 5, plays 8 minutes. Georgia State, which was a, that was the game KD was out, and Auburn did not play great that game as a whole. He's 0 for 3, and then he plays a minute, a minute, a minute, and then he's out after Georgia. And then even before that, he's 4 for 10, 1 for 1, 0 for 3. So he wasn't shooting great, but the fact that his last 8 shots, while he was getting more than 1 minute of a game, he missed every single one of them, and only recorded a rebound and a, a three assists, a rebound and turn the ball over three times in those games. Hmm. Probably, especially against Georgia state. And it probably wasn't the best, probably wasn't the best look for the coaches when they were going to review that. And that may have contributed to his minutes getting cut. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, Bruce Pearl leaned on, he leaned on injury when asked about, Chance Westry, and he repeatedly like he's not ready. You know, you know he's dealing with an injury. He's dealing with an injury. Um, I just think that I wouldn't be surprised to hear after he lands somewhere else that there was some disagreement over the management of that injury, um, and that ultimately led to him transferring. So, you know, guys, uh, you know, Auburn fans just need to calm down. This is not the end of the world. They're going to go out, and there's going to be a lot of people who saw, hey, this was a. Uh, team that made it to the round of 32. And I can't imagine that there are not going to be guys in the portal, great players chomping at the bit to get in here and play with the guys that that Auburn has and make a run at the NCAA tournament again next year. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
I want to pivot here and I want to I want to I want to talk football a little bit. Auburn is is well over halfway through spring practice and some storylines are starting to emerge. One of them being that Holden Garner is moved up the uh, uh, in the QB race a little bit. Uh, Hugh Free said at a press conference earlier this week that Holden Garner had a really good week last week. Um, now, he did note that Robbie was held out of a couple practices with a sore shoulder and that he had his best week of practice and spring last week as well, too. Uh, TJ Finley was not mentioned uh, in that uh, <laughs> diatribe. So, um, in turning our attention to football here, uh, you know, how how are we grading how Hugh Freeze is doing so far? Uh, national uh, writer and reporter Heather Dennis from ESPN said, Auburn fans, you might have to have some patience with your wide receivers. And uh, the wide receivers responded, <laughs> Uh, Cam, Cam, Camden Brown, uh, Coy Moore, uh, a couple others were just like bet, <laughs> bet that up. Then, you know, <laughs> what do we feel about where Auburn's at so far through camp? You think the fans are feeling hopeful for the for the fall, or are we still lost in the sauce at this point? I think fans are feeling hopeful just with having a breath of fresh air with the new coach in, and also obviously the recruiting trail is kind of heating up too, um, as it has been since he arrived. So I think fans are hopeful. Um, I think they went after her a little hard for her take about the fans may need to be a little bit more patient with wide receivers. I don't really see anything wrong with that because as a fan base that consistently has over expectations in football. I feel like she might've been giving some good advice. Like, Hey, let's, well, I didn't see, I, I was there and not to mention, I spent 10 minutes talking to Heather out yeah, there in practice, standing on the sidelines. And I didn't see what she saw. Right. What I, at? Interesting. Right now. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, obviously I wasn't there, so I don't know what you guys saw. So that's actually very interesting that you didn't see what she saw. So what you're saying is you think that the wide receivers are in a good place right now? Or no, you... I'm, no, I'm just saying oh. like, uh, I don't, I'm not sure how she came to that conclusion because there wasn't much to evaluate during the periods that we watched, right? That the media was allowed out there. So, you know, Hugh Freeze has been letting us out there early every Monday. So we get an extra 30 minutes of practice to watch before the official uh, periods where media is allowed to film. And um, they do this drill, guys, where it's kind of like a two-minute hurry-up kind of deal. They've got a bunch of scripted plays, and each quarterback gets their chance moving the, the, the team down the field towards the end zone. Um, Holden Garner went first. TJ went second. Robbie went third, presumably because of his shoulder. And... Um, then they move to a, a drill where the quarterbacks throw to the receivers all at one time. So there are three quarterbacks and they all throw different routes to the receivers and then they kind of rotate. And now based on where you're standing, left, middle, center, you know, or whatever, that determines which route you're throwing. And now listen, all the throws weren't perfect, uh, but I, I'm not sure how you're having this conversation. I'm, I'm not sure how you had those that critique of the wide receivers but not the quarterbacks because some of the misses were about errant throws. And Robbie was out there throwing with a, so, a sore shoulder, visibly in pain at some points. And yeah, it was, I thought it was interesting. This is a talent, you know, I'll be, I'll die on this hill. This is a talented group of receivers, but Q freeze has noted that they have the furthest to go in terms of learning system and the amount of technicalities that they have to learn than almost any other position group on the field. So did she, patient, did she know? Has, did she know that he said that? I mean, maybe that's why. Hey, listen, I don't. <laughs> I don't would just know that that is the case. But you know, my whole point is 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 that you know maybe the patience that needs to be had is just with the implementation of the system and not necessarily the receivers. So uh, that's what I see. I think that fans need to have patience with the system because they're trying to put something in that's brand new. Well, is and this we'll know what it's going to look like? Has this been the same shoulder that's been given Robbie's? Yeah, it's the same one last season. Okay, this is, is it the same 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 problem as last season, or is it the something mm. else? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. All we know is sore <laughs> shoulder. My 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 worry about that shoulder is is that um, if it is like some kind of reaggravation, is this something that should have required surgery? And it, he wastes three months already when he could have had the surgery way back in December or January, um, and been on the road to recovery. Guys, in, in sports, when your shoulder is injured, you can't do anything. 
a shoulder injury is one of the most crippling injuries in sports. I mean, if your leg is hurt, you could do something sitting down to condition, right? But like when your shoulder is hurt, I mean, you, you it, it immobilizes you. You can't jar it. You can't run for the most part. You can't lift. You can't do anything. <laughs> so a shoulder injury is a big deal, and it is especially a big deal for a quarterback when it's your throwing shoulder. So I... I have to imagine that some of that is having some effect on these receivers. And, you know, you know, Holden got a lot of praise, but let's be clear. He's been uneven through camp. He's been uneven. TJ has been TJ, great practice player. But, you know, know, the the worry is, will that translate to games? TJ's been TJ. Sorry, I just had to laugh at that. Yeah, I mean, he's been TJ. I mean, it's practice. No, I think we all get it. I think we all get it. Yeah. Yeah, he's not ever been accused of being a bad practice player. So uh, I, I don't get overly excited about anything or, or disappointed about anything I hear good or bad in practice with him. His challenge is going to be, is he going to have a line to protect him and can he make it translate to a game? That's you know, TJ, just, that's TJ Finley in two sentences. I just right? tweeted, I just tweeted mm-hmm. Heather. No one throws shades at my, no one throws shades at my wide receivers. Just letting okay. y'all know. Don't tag I'm, me in that because I'm trying to get her on the show to talk about our article. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I got you know, we did connect. Like, hey, I mean, she, hey she has to answer for her hot takes if you get her on. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Listen, yeah. I'm gonna come on, guys. She, she followed me on Twitter. She followed we do me have on Twitter. coming up. So, hey, I'm just saying it's a good time for our wide receivers to ball out on a day. And what we what we agreed to was, I told her, I said, once your story drops, I want you to come on the show and talk about. You know your take on everything, and by this time she will have gone to Alabama to check out what they got going on. And you know, I just it was it was interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of people felt like, man, they invite you into camp, and that's what you tweet, <laughs> right? And I don't, I don't know. I wish she sat with Hugh Freeze before this practice as well, too. I don't, but like as an an as an analyst, you have some. You have to critique teams, but you also have to give them praise. And she did on her. I've looked at her Twitter. She did give the team praise as well. So one critique out of a bunch of tweets where she had praise or just breaking down what happened. Like, what was the praise? Tweet? People, like massively overreacted tweet? to her tweet. We, we are going to if, if a receivers ball out this season, we're going to ratio the hell out of that tweet. So she just got to know. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The receipts are you out there. That, but the, but the what, happens when they, what happens if they don't, though? I mean, if I'm Heather, well, I'm going if, back and if, I'm bookmarking everybody I, that quarterback. I, I'm telling you, if they don't, it will be more about quarterback play than it will be about receiver play. I, I promise you. That. I promise you it's going to be more about quarterback play. Uh, I mean, over the last five games of the season, they didn't get a lot of opportunities because we ran, 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 ran the ball because of the offensive line. So well, as long as they're not 20 as long as they're not doing what they did in 2021 and just dropping balls that hit them right in the numbers, it's going to be quarterback play. So. I, I think it's going to come down to, to accuracy at the quarterback position and the fluidity of this new offense that uh, Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze are still trying to figure out what it is. Guys, I ask this question every week. How's it going coming up with this system that you guys say you're creating? You know, which is supposed to be some kind of meld between what Hugh Freeze has done his whole career as a play caller and Philip Montgomery's concepts that Hugh Freeze felt like he could bring to the table to help improve on what he's done his whole career. So they're trying to, and then you got to figure out what guys can and can't do as well, too. They have to know what this offensive line can do before they decide what kind of system they're going to run. I think the biggest mistake Auburn football can make in 2023 is saying, we're going to try to do this even though our guys can't do certain things, right? I think Harson got caught up in that. This line couldn't block, man. They couldn't pass block. It, for as much as people complained about how the line blocked for bow guys, I just feels like to me, I heard a lot less of that criticism after he was gone and somebody else had to stand behind that line. And I'll tell you what, it got progressively worse the, the line that blocked for T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford in 2022 was worse than any line Bo Knicks had during his three years starting at Auburn. Yeah. No, I think everybody so. saw that. Like, Yeah, I, they were I, worse. I think everyone did. Like, it was awful. Yeah, so uh, to, to my, my point is, you know, and, and I'm going to pass it back to you, Memes. Oh, it, it, It's got a... Uh, the wide receivers to me, have a ton of talent. They need a system that gives them the requisite amount of opportunities that scheme guys open. That's something that Auburn couldn't do last year, 
They couldn't scheme guys open. It was always make an amazing catch, right? Or, you know, hope for some mishap by the defense to get open. So Hugh Freeze has got to find a way to get these guys open, you know, uh, by design. You know, and they have, they're going to have to win battles. Don't get me wrong. They're going to have to win battles off the line and, and, and win 50-50 balls. But every pass shouldn't be a fight for the ball. Guys should be open. And then quarterbacks should be throwing to open guys. And then those guys should be catching balls open. That's well, how just, offense is supposed to work. I mean, let's be real. Like, considering how just absolutely, like, unfiltered, players and former players that were seniors on last year's team have spoken out against just how bad Keysal ran everything on the offensive side. Like I do not think, and then like halfway jokingly, halfway seriously, we're talking about like, yeah, Will friend was the best offensive coordinator we've had all like dude who was, who literally patched together an offense in three days. Right. That was better than what they had done for, over a year plus means like, that has got to be so telling for just how bad it was beforehand. So I just, I think it's like, it's such a blank slate. Cause you just can't compare anything to last year. Cause it was just so unimaginably badly coached on the offensive side. Means that like, there's just not even a precedence for how bad it was. Means Eric Kiesel definitely pours his milk before a cereal. Uh, Eric, Eric Kiesel, I'm convinced probably likes to tuck it and dance naked in the mirror. Like, Eric Kisau is one of the worst football minds ever. He's awful. He was unlikable. He was, you know, he couldn't talk to him. You couldn't, the players couldn't relate to him. He was, I mean, I just want to underscore for people how bad Eric Kisau was. And they got stuck with him. They got stuck with him. Now, you know, I know from conversations I had with that staff that, that was he was like 50th on the list. And when the Austin Davis thing fell through, a lot of things went south for them. But they were trying to get that guy in from um God, where was it? Was it Ar- not Arkansas State? It was uh, Arizona State. Arizona. Yes, Arizona State. And there was another yeah. guy that ended up at Texas Tech. Brady, help me out here. What was um Zach Hill? Wasn't that it? Yeah, there was a Zach. There was two Zachs. One is now the, the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. But remember, they had the had the controversy that was going on over there, and he couldn't. Yeah, Zach Hill from Arizona State got caught up in scandal, which is why they didn't hire him. But there was another was actually, also Zach, the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. Correct. Because yeah. actually, as an analyst for the team, and that's who they wanted as their OC. Probably bad that this dude was an analyst, and it was still just as bad. So who's to know how much better it would have been? Or it was Keysal was just so inept. He was an analyst, acting that, offensive coordinator, and Keysal. Matt Kitley. Okay. Yeah. 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 He was he he was the one. He was the guy. Um, but continue. Good memory. No, I was just saying, or it was just the fact that Hill was acting as an analyst, and maybe he was essentially acting as almost a borderline like Zoom like coordinator for Keysal. Like, okay, hey, tell him to do this, do this. All right, FaceTime me what's going on at practice. Mm-hmm. Okay, like like something like that, where it's almost just like he's doing this remote code. Whatever was this is all theory, whatever was going on. It was awful. It was inefficient. It was bad for mm. everybody across the board, especially the players. And I just think it's like it sucks because that's like the naturally like what you in, nat, your natural inclination wants to do is like, well, let's look back at our most recent our recent case for what we can evaluate to go for. But I think it, it was, was so bad. bad. Man, he was bad. He was bad. And and so you know, Ike Hilliard essentially comes in after him and takes over. You know, uh, the wide receivers liked Ike Hilliard. He was a very popular coach. Um, and so I think that at the end of the day, um, when you're looking at what these guys have to work with, there's a ton of talent in this room. There's a ton of talent in this wide receiver room. Um, there's a ton of talent on this team. You know, Hugh Freeze, you know, said Monday, Connor Lou, they hit a home run with him. This is a lineman. Fans should be excited about that. He said, I, we hit a home run with Connor Lou, and uh, he's going to be a star for us. And we'll play early. And I'm like, whoo, that's high praise for an offensive lineman because this is one of the most physically developmental positions in football. Very few freshmen come in physically ready to play at an SEC level at offensive line. So he he singled him out. And, you know, there's some things happening on this team that uh, I think are good. I think that Hugh Freeze uh, is doing a decent job being transparent. I hope that the players are getting the feedback that they need to get to get better. Um, 
But, you know, and kind of closing this out, you know, Coy Moore said on our show last year that he felt like they had 2,000-yard receivers in this, in this room. And I want to pose that question to you guys. Are there, are there 2,000? Is it possible that Auburn, who has had not had a 1,000-yard receiver since, like, 99 or something? I think Darvin Adams came up like six yards short of a thousand yards. Like, yeah, he was he was nine ninety seven, I think. Yeah, right. You know, is it possible that a program that has not had a thousand yard receiver in two decades can suddenly produce two of them in one season? I mean, if you have two thousand yard receivers in one season, your quarterback's one in the Heisman, or he's in New York, at the very least. Mm, I want to know now. You you, you had already brought up that if the receivers kind of underperformed this season, you wouldn't be shocked if it was due to QB plays. I'm going to go ahead and say no. Take the um, take the I'll easy be very answer. Surprised if that happens. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say no. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say this. Like without a surefire returning quarterback, I'm never going to confidently say because the receivers aren't throwing the ball to themselves. Not to say these guys don't have the potential to do it, but I'm not going to say that. That without that quarterback, with with the current quarterback uncertainty, that we're going to even have anybody come close to sniffing a thousand yards. Because I mean, the problem is if the wide receiver room is as talented as they are touting it out to be internally, the hype you're getting with uh, all the stuff you're going on with Brown and Mardner and some of these other guys, of course, Coy Moore and JJ. You could probably go spread the ball out a little bit. Like it's not yeah. it's usually a thousand yard receiver is because you're you have no depth and you're just feeding that one guy. So it, you know, it's kind of like funny to say that it's almost better to not have that because that means you probably have enough depth to be spreading the ball around. I mean, I'd like to see maybe a handful of guys that are between five hundred and fifty and eight hundred and fifty yards. That'd be awesome. Okay. I would rather see that than one guy that's at a thousand. Okay. So for 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 uh uh, for reference, in terms of thousand-yard receivers, last year Arizona had two thousand-yard receivers: uh, Dorian Singer and Jacob Cowing. Um, East Carolina had two thousand-yard receivers in Isaiah Winstead and C.J. Johnson. Uh, brought wow, mm. man, this is rough, guys. This is rough. It doesn't happen a lot. It doesn't give happen me. a lot, even for the better team. I mean, Georgia didn't have two thousand yard receivers. Give me, give me Pac twelve defenses all day, and I'll, I'll, I'll gas <laughs> up these receivers. You know, let's let's throw against what they're throwing against, and yeah, I'm, I'm game on. I, I mean, listen, if I'm looking at this correctly, um, Georgia didn't have one thousand yard receiver last year, but they didn't really need to because I mean they were just. But since they threw spinning. the ball all over the place, right, and they didn't even have a thousand yard receiver. But that's, that's not my point, though. They had a lot of good receivers they could throw the ball to. Yeah, I mean, he spread the ball around. One guy. You just think that, you know, in an offense that, that was so prolific that they'd have at least one guy that would, you know, just barely crack a 1,000 yards. They didn't have anybody crack a 1,000 yards. But Georgia didn't need to throw the ball a whole lot last year. They could just run it, beat mm-hmm. you on the ground. I mean, they didn't, like, it just wasn't, that's not Kirby Smart's thing. They didn't need to. I mean, Georgia okay. wasn't playing from behind a whole lot. There are, like, what, 130-something FBS teams, right? Or, or uh, uh, Division One teams, mm-hmm. and there were only thirty-one thousand-yard receivers in all of college football last year, right? Uh, and then, for reference, Malik Neighbors, that one thousand seventeen yards. I'm, I'm counting SEC thousand-yard receivers, and Jalen Hyatt for Tennessee, who was a monster. Oh my goodness, he was video game good last year. Uh, catching ball, uh, catching balls from Hendon Hooker and uh, the other guy um, Joe Milton uh, after Hooker got hurt, but the SEC alone only had two thousand yard receivers last year. So this is going to be to me. This is going to be interesting to see. Can Auburn produce a, a go? Is there a go to guy in this room? Is it and you know, you know, is it Camden Brown? Is it Coy Moore? Is it a slot guy like Jay Fair or you know, uh, is it? You know, uh, Javaris Johnson, who was, I would say, by far Auburn's most productive receiver last year. Uh, I I just have questions about this. These guys caught some passes down the field, and I think Heather may be underestimating the experience that returns in that room. Uh, They just haven't had the opportunity. Um, Now, I will tell you this. Uh, Hugh Freeze has produced some pretty dynamic tight ends over the years. You know, remember, this offense produced Evan Ingram. 
who is pretty good at the pro level right now. And I'm thinking every time I'm at practice and Rivaldo Fairweather walks by me, I'm like, good God. He gives me Darnell Washington vibes, like in terms of size, right? Like, I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's a cool breeze, Brandy, every time he runs by. Mike, <laughs> like, Mike, Mike, I got a question. What, and, and y'all got to go into the lab to figure this out. Highest receivers, just to add to this conversation, that Montgomery's had in his past, and then Hugh Freeze. Do we know that yet? Yeah, I mean, okay. Like, I think that's worth, I think that is, I think that is worth noting in their past at their various stops throughout football. Philip Montgomery might be a little harder to pull that stat, but on average, Hugh Freeze's leading receiver is, is just over 850 yards receiving. So, you know, he's, I mean, he coached Laquan Treadwell. I'd have to go back and look at his stats. You know, he stands out again. Evan Ingram was pretty dynamic. Um, you know, they've Chris, they ha- they've had some guys. Um Chris Frost kind of cut those numbers short. <laughs> yeah, Evan Ingram. <laughs> college stats, right? We're looking for his college stats. No, no um, I was talking on I was talking on Treadwell. Oh, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Sorry. Uh let's see here. Okay, so yeah, we're doing a little, we're gonna math it up, up a little bit. Okay, so Evan Ingram, right? Uh, he had in 2016, he had 926 yards receiving on 65 receptions and eight TDs tight end. Right. So, I I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. Uh, and you know, I'm going to, you know, you know, who is, what is good for this memes is, uh, pro football focus. If we're trying to look at these stats from by year, uh, but I will, we can at least do it for Hugh Freeze. What years were Hugh Freeze at? What was he at Ole Miss? Now, for Jess and me, yeah, was it twelve to sixteen or was it? Yeah, I think it's twelve to sixteen. Twelve to sixteen, right? Yeah. Now I will tell you at Liberty because we pulled it. They had a guy that had like fourteen hundred yards receiving one year at Liberty. Uh, he was a complete beast, and I would. I would almost guess that's probably the highest total that he had during his tenure as was a college that, was, coach. Was Malik was that Malik's quarterback year? Um, I don't think so. But let me let me pull this here, and I will tell you because we went back and we looked at some of these stats for the receivers, and it was, I mean, it was pretty eye opening. You know what these guys could do. So here we go. We're looking at receiving at Liberty by year, right? Um, and we're looking at regular and post. And then we're sorting by total yards, right? Um, okay, so in 2022, Demario Douglas had 996 yards receiving, right? In 2021, at Liberty, uh, la, 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 seven, Demario Douglas again, 703. In 2020, uh, let's see here, receiving yards. DJ Stubbs, 523. And then in 2019, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, 1,397 yards. That's nuts. Receiving. Um, I don't think Malik was there in 2019. That would what have been... Was Bo- the- that was Bo's freshman year. So maybe, but he didn't play? What was the, what was the second? I- I'm just curious for that, that 2019 year. What was the second most receiving yards on that team? The 2019, 401 yards. Oof. See, see, that's kind of what I'm saying there. It's like, Uh would you rather have one guy that is just fed the ball, or would you rather have, like, it be kind of spread out through the committee? Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I hear you on that one 100%. I think, uh, I mean, there were a bunch of guys with three to 400 yards receiving. So, I mean, clearly this guy was just a beast, but they did spread the ball around a decent amount. Now, if you look at, um, in terms of, like receptions, he had 79 receptions and a lot, a bunch of people had like 30 receptions. So if we go back and we take a look at, at, at Ole Miss during this time um, in the Southeastern Conference, which is the best conference to ever conference, um, Ole Miss Rebels. Okay, here we go. So we're going back to 2012, right? And we're looking at receiving. Yeah. Total yards. Oh, don't tell me they don't keep this stat. Oh man, 2012 is too 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 far back. Memes. 
Well, yeah, actually, 2014. 2012 didn't happen. There wasn't a football season that year, so that's probably why I can't find anything. <laughs> right. Uh, 2014, leading receiver was Vince Sanders, 693 yards. They had three receivers with 600 yards receiving. Uh, you see, I'd, Vince, be, I, I'd be okay with that. If Auburn, if you could tell me to slam oh, wow. the deal or no deal button, give me three receivers that all have 600 yards this season. Like, Okay, so listen to this. 2014. Cool Four, 3,400 yards through the air. Uh, Vince Sanders had 693. Evan Ingram had 658. Laquan, Laquan Treadwell had 638. And Cody Core had 557. That's pretty solid production in terms of spreading the ball around. And they all had between 38 and 41 receptions. Not bad, right? I See, think- yeah, I, I'm good with that. Like I said, if you give me three guys that have we'll say between 600 and 650, mm-hmm. that probably means you've got between some tight ends, some other receivers that are coming off the bench, mm-hmm. okay, and but your running backs. you got a, you got a couple hundred yards out of them combined, and then you probably had a two to 3,000-yard quarterback. But listen to this, right? 2014, Laquan Treadwell, 1,100 yards receiving. Cody Core, 645. Uh, Quincy Adebayo, 604. Um, and Demario Stringfellow, 504, Evan Ingram, 463. I mean, still solid. They still have one guy pop off and a yeah. bunch of guys in the 600-yard range. I would rather have that, but I'm living on Earth right now. Like, okay. like, you know, obviously, if I could pick my poison, like, yeah, that's what I'm taking. But, like, I'm not going to I'm not gonna wake up and roll out of bed, be like, 1,000-yard. Like, I just, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be more realistic. I, I, I got to tamper my expectations a little uh, bit. All, like, right, all right, all right, all right. I might have talked. I might have taught myself into some foolish ideas last football season. So I'm coming in. I'm anti-booging a little bit more than I was. I said, all right, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be conservative in my expectations. Listen, memes, you can't be the, happy. You can't let the devil steal your steal your joy. All right. I got some joy <laughs> stolen right. last season. <laughs> so, a lot of joy. Uh, <laughs> well, well, you know what? I think that Camden Brown and all these guys who retweeted the other uh definitely have some joy and they're gonna be try to find some joy this uh this fall because they're not gonna let that go. I, I know that tweet has been bookmarked to hell by now, just in case. No, I, I did, I got it. I have bookmarked it as well, too. Um, but uh <laughs> speaking of bookmark, make sure you bookmark the Auburn Express powered by the war report. I'm here with my guy Auburn memes. My girl, Brandy Mag, talking Auburn sports. We'll be back at you guys next Thursday. Uh, now, listen, uh, 8A is on April the 8th. So we'll pod again before 8A. Um, but we'll have some basketball news, I'm sure, to talk about. Uh, baseball is in full swing now. The baseball team is 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 doing their thing. Expectations have risen and, uh, you know, in every sport. And we're going to have some gymnastics to talk about as well, too, as Auburn gets ready for the national tournament. But, guys, we're signing off. We'll see you guys next week. And as always, War Eagle. Where are you going? Where are you going?